Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's a great pleasure to welcome today's program, Brett Wetzel, who's Senior Director of Applied Knowledge at Breakthrough. And today we're going to talk about measuring transportation emissions, turning tomorrow's goals into today's outcomes or into today's operations, I should say. Um, so, you know, many companies are focusing on, you know, sustainability and reducing, you know, their, their carbon footprint. And to achieve their goals, uh, you know, they have to understand the role and impact of the transportation operations uh, in that, you know, in, in achieving those goals and objectives. So what are some of the challenges companies face in measuring transportation's contribution to emissions? Um, what are some of the tools or capabilities that are required? And how are companies leveraging data to, you know, uh, reduce transportation-related emissions? Well, those are just some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And it's great to have Brett on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So, Brett, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adrian. Really looking forward to the conversation today. Great. Well, Brett, um, you know, you're a first-time guest here on, on Talking Logistics. So, like I always like to do before we kind of dive into this topic, I'm always curious how, you know, people get involved with this, you know, crazy industry that we're in. So, uh, why don't you briefly tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, career path, how and why you got started in in supply chain and logistics, and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Breakthrough? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a feeling my background may be a little bit different uh, than many of your guests. So my uh, professional career actually started in education, um, and I started as a high school math teacher for five years, and I loved uh, making a difference. I loved really the math problem solving and analytics that were brought up, um, but when I was looking to make a change into uh, the business world, I really, especially being from the Green Bay area, there's quite a few transportation companies in the area, and one in particular, Breakthrough, I saw as doing something different. And I really was looking for something that I could use my uh, analytics skills in, but also a company that felt like it was making a difference. So I've been with Breakthrough for about eight years now, and not having a business background actually started on the client services side. So working with client relationships and really starting to understand you know, what are the challenges they face? What does it take to get those products to market? And by the way, I've never looked at the back label of so many products in all my life since I started working here. Um, and that curiosity and some of those skills actually led me to our applied knowledge team, which I now lead. So we're responsible for the research um, for both the fuel or the energy markets and freight markets for our company, all based in breakthrough, trying to reduce the cost consumption and emissions for our shipper clients um, in their moving of goods to market. Well, Brett, you're absolutely right. I, you know, we, we've had people from all sorts of backgrounds, um, you know, enter this field. I myself am an, am an engineer, material science engineer, you know, started out in semiconductors uh, and we have folks starting out in, in different areas. But I think you are indeed the first teacher <laughs> that has, you know, moved into this industry. Uh, so, so congratulations. You know, if I had like a cowbell or something, I would ring it right now. But uh, but but that's a that's a great start. And, and certainly. Um, you know, it's an area that I think that um, it might be interesting later on in your career, maybe making a transition back or contributing in education in some way again, because I think, you know, for, for a lot of today's youth, uh, you know, this industry holds a lot of promise in terms of career opportunities. There's a lot of promise on the technology side of things. Um, so, so I think, you know, you know, as a, uh, Whitney Houston used to sing, you know, the children are our future, right? So that's certainly the, the future of this industry as well. So you got to start there, but maybe you'll end your career 
uh, there at some point. Um, oh, you are, it, you are absolutely right with that. <laughs> yeah, but in between, there's a lot of great things to, to, to talk about and, and work on. And, and one of those areas is obviously what we're talking about today, which is, you know, sustainability. And, you know, when companies talk about emissions, you know, carbon emissions, you know, they often talk about, it, and I see it, you know, all the time, you know, they talk about scope one and scope two and scope three. And, and every once in a while, I have to go back and refresh myself and tell what, what, what does this all mean? So, so what's the difference between scope one, scope two, scope three? What does that mean? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I actually usually like to liken it to probably our experiences even around our, high, our households when you start to describe it. So your scope one emissions are, are the direct emissions that you have. Specifically, that could be the natural gas or the heating oil to heat your home. Also, just the gasoline or diesel that you consume in your personal vehicle. So something that you're directly using as an emitter. Um, scope two is, is interesting. It's, it's all about indirect electricity. So for your house, that is, you know, the, the energy and the emissions are created by a power generator or a, you know, a power station, but you are the user or the end user of that electricity. So it's indirect electricity coming from a utility or maybe from somewhere else um, where you're purchasing it. And the fun with scope three is it's considered the indirect category and that's everything else. Um, so it creates a big challenge and a big bucket there, but one, you know, it's upstream and downstream transportation. It's how products are sourced to you and how your, how your end users or customers are going to use them in their afterlife. And probably the easiest parallel I can think there is, you know, about every other day, especially in the last year, a FedEx truck or an Amazon truck pulls up to your house to deliver a good. Well, what were the emissions that came from this truck that you weren't driving? But you're still responsible for, you know, those emissions if you think about yourself as a company, because you were part of the chain that got it to your house in the first place. So definitely a wide reaching bucket um, and oftentimes probably the most vague bucket out there for scope three. Yeah, and no, I, I, I imagine, I, and I would think that, that, you know, when it comes to transportation, you know, depending on the specifics of your transportation operations, you can fall into either scope one or scope three, right? Because if you have your own private fleet, or if you're operating your own vehicles, those are direct emissions that you're responsible for. But if you're using common carriers for the majority of your transportation, or maybe just for part of it, for the inbound, let's say, um, you know, that, that would fall on the scope three. So really, from a transportation standpoint, it might, it might cover multiple scopes, right? Yep, absolutely. And um, that is an interesting piece, too, because, you know, scope one emissions, there's always one company that's responsible for it because there is one person that's actually operating it. But scope three could impact a lot of different organizations because that trucking company, you know, maybe it's a carrier hired by a broker who then was hired by the company. There, there could be a lot of indirect consequences for those. Um, but yeah, we, we see both of those types and strategies for managing the private fleet or the scope one versus scope three can vary pretty significantly all around the data available for it. Well, I mean, I, that, that leads to my next question in terms of, you know, some, some of the challenges or complexities around this. So, you know, uh, you know, certainly one of the first steps is really trying to get a handle on this or trying to measure this. I mean, what, what are some of the, you know, challenges, you know, companies face in, you know, measuring their, their emissions, particularly in transportation, um, and I guess particularly with scope three, which is the one that they have, you know, indirect control over. Yeah, and that's that's a great question because I think even over the last decade plus, um, scope one and scope two were probably the easiest uh, to both measure, but then also to make changes. Um, you know, it could have been higher efficiency light bulbs, higher efficient or higher efficient equipment at stores or in manufacturing. The big challenge around uh, scope three has really been both the data availability to actually be able to see what it is. And I think in transportation, a big challenge has been 
the idea of do you actually have control over somebody else's assets or somebody else's decisions out there? So, you know, in, in listening to your other um, programs and conversations, Adrian, you know, this revolution of data um, and insights continues to move forward. I think scope three is finally starting to come into that limelight of, hey, we need to have a solution for all of these scopes. And now how do we find the right level of visibility to get to it? Um, in basically without the visibility, this has been a world of a lot of averages. So there's one number stamped on it for an emissions um, number, whether it's a truck moving or another scope three emission. And the problem is it's really hard to see, well, how did that number come up and what can I actually do to improve it? So one of the things we always go back to is, um, and I may revisit this statement quite a few times is actuals, not averages. So how do we get into better load level, lane level? How do we understand the fuel being consumed, the emissions associated with it? It's a really interesting problem to solve. And like with me, with my background, it's the type of thing that I love doing. Yeah, no, the, the, you said a lot there that, that, that I think is interesting. You know, we, we talk so much about visibility in this industry. And obviously this is another dimension of visibility, right? Visibility to emissions. Um, I, we, we talk a lot about collaboration in this industry. I think when you get to scope three, you know, that's another area where, um, you know, one company alone can't do this. I mean, you need to share information. Um, you need to collaborate or work with, you know, your, your trading partners, you, you know, on this, whether it's you know, your suppliers on the inbound, whether it's your carriers or brokers or logistics service providers that are managing some of the transportation. So I think, you know, when we, you know, visibility, collaboration, you know, are intertwined with sustainability as part of this, you know, overall, you know, conversation. Now, do you see, you know, you talk about actuals versus averages. I mean, is one of the limiting factors here, um, you know, standards or the need to have some standards along the way? And, and where are we on that? Yeah, and that's a really good question and one that's evolving. I would say it's probably the one that's fascinated me the most in the last year as well. Um, standards and you know certification processes for scope one and two um, are pretty well defined for the most part. And there, there's a lot of agencies that are coming around to better define these for scope three. And I think we're going to see that in the next few years because a lot of the commitments we're seeing out there, and this is what's been really cool, like the science-based targets is one thing you might hear, or greenhouse gas protocol, they're continuing to kind of get better guidance and more standardization around this. And I think the last year, what's been really interesting, you know, you think about any part of logistics and any part of life, there's been a lot of disruption. Um, we've actually seen this disruption as a time for a lot of companies to say, hey, what we did before is already disrupted. So is there a different way we can think about this moving forward? And the number of uh, shippers that we've seen committing to it, and as a matter of fact, even the number of carriers starting to commit to, to climate plans has really ramped up. And I think that idea that you just said, it's kind of the data and insights, but the collaboration piece, I think, is what we're really going to see help move this forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, absolutely. So like anything else, you know, whenever there's, some kind of initiative that seems very large in scope or very, you know, it could be very daunting, you know, at, at first blush. I mean, always the challenge is, you know, how do you get started, right? Um, you know, so how do you get started in, in measuring, you know, transportation emissions? I mean, what, what, what are some of the tools or, or capabilities required? Yeah, I, I would say what we always start to, and this is um, where I enjoy my role from the applied knowledge research side, is honestly starting around understanding 
what am I trying to measure in the first place? Um, and there's a big move to go to what's known as life cycle emissions, which is it's no longer just what's coming out of the tailpipe, but how is my fuel sourced? How was it created? Um, and it also includes more than just carbon dioxide. So there's a lot of education just in understanding. So what is it that I need to measure? Um, and then from there, once you kind of understand what it is that we're going to measure, it's all about figuring out some of those key components. So when we're talking with clients and, and you know, we work with clients here, there's a lot of companies that are starting to think about how can we better manage this. Um, data collection has been the biggest issue, especially for sustainability teams. It's really hard to get it. It probably looks different in every area of the company that you go to, but we really try to break it down into what are the key components you need to know? You know, who moved it? What type of equipment moved it? So a lot of those basic insights is what helps you at least start to set that baseline. Um, because you know, you've probably heard this adage, you can't really improve what you can't measure. So most of the work right now is all around, let's just find those key components to be able to pull them together and see where we're at today. Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, and I think, you know, the same problems that plague other aspects of supply chain, namely, you know, lack of data or lack of quality data, you know, I assume is, you know, part of the challenge here as well, right? Either you're not collecting that kind of data or the data you have may not be complete or accurate and, and really have to make sure that you're, you're working off of, you, you know, the, the most accurate and complete data, you know, as possible. And then it gets to, you know, your, your earlier point in terms of, you know, asking, you know, what exactly are we measuring or what do we want to measure? And I think that gets back to the standards piece in some ways, because, yep. you know, um, you know, some companies may choose for whatever reasons to define it very broadly. Others may look to define it very narrowly. And, you know, then you get into, you know, are you comparing apples to apples? So, so I think that's, that's part of the, the importance of standards in this area to make sure that, you know, at an industry level, let's say, at least there's some common agreement between all the stakeholders that we're all going to be measuring this in the same way. We're all working towards a common definition, right? Yeah. And, you know, the other piece to that that's really interesting is the, the question that we're seeing more from shippers, too, is that idea of standardization because they want to know compared to maybe their peers in a, in a category group could be food and beverage, could be retailers or for the customers they're serving, understanding where their goals are at. And I think there's been a lot of progress in people starting to speak the lang same language through bodies like the Science Based Targets Initiative to say, OK, now we can at least see where everyone plans are at and collaboration starts happening there too. Cause it's, you know, I'm trying to hit my goals, but how can I help you meet yours? Cause the weird thing with scope three is for a lot of the retailers, the manufacturers that are shippers are a lot of times their scope three emissions. So it's like getting better information and, and better visibility helps to just solidify that supply chain for everyone with the emissions. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so ultimately, I mean, let's say you've created that baseline, you've got the data, you're measuring towards just this definition that you've adopted, or maybe the industry has adopted. I mean, how do you ultimately then convert that data, that information, that insight into, into action to actually reduce, you know, transportation related emissions? I mean, what, what actions are companies taking today? Yeah, and it's um, it's been a bit of the wild west in that regard. So it's you know for some that that sounds like a scary statement, for but for others it really means a lot of the first movers uh, can really set what this market looks like. Um, and what I will say is a lot of the goals out there um, for these companies, a lot of them are set as a 2030 goal, or some of them as a 2025 goal. So I think the most important thing is um, you'll see a lot of advertisements around electric vehicles and next gen technologies. 
and those will be the great solutions of the future. But coming out of um, just being able to actually track, it's really about finding both the cost and the emissions benefits of certain choices and trying to get the ball rolling towards that target. Um, so believe it or not, it's, it's things like, where can we do a mode conversion? How can we verify and have good data around how full are our loads when they leave? So maybe a certain customer doesn't have a full load at all the times and you can work with them on doing things like that. And then ultimately, um, one of the common tools that's been out there is, is SmartWay put on by the, by the government on trying to you know, promote efficiencies within carriers. And it's really trying to say, how can we work with our carriers to find the most efficient movers of goods um, and what we, what we can do forward? So it's, it's really an interesting thing because it's all about finding that roadmap and thinking broadly about it but finding the, the local targeted solutions that you can that you can institute and trying to walk before you run, because there's a lot of things you can probably do today to ultimately lead to those grand ambitions of the future technologies. Yeah, I, I love that because, yes, I mean, there's a lot of today when you particularly in transportation, there's a lot of you know work being done and investments being made on electric vehicles, as, as you mentioned. Right. And, and that's certainly something that's getting a lot of attention today. But you also pointed to something that I've written about a lot and talked about a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of existing waste and inefficiencies with current transportation processes, right? A lot of empty miles, a lot of trailers that aren't fully utilized, um, you know, pe people not fully leveraging route optimization solutions to reduce the number of miles driven and vehicles used, so on and so forth. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there with existing technologies and within their existing operations that if they had the data and and to, to recognize where those inefficiencies and waste was being taken, just addressing those with available tools and available capabilities, available best practices and collaboration, perhaps. I mean, you see a lot of opportunities, perhaps with multiple shippers working together yep. to share capacity, uh, create, you know, uh, uh, continuous moves. Uh, or, or routes, you know, so that, you know, you, you're utilizing, you know, capacity more efficiently. I mean, I, there's a lot of that going on, but I think a lot of people, when they think about this topic of transportation, the first thing they think about is like, okay, electric vehicles, right? Or, you know, uh, and things like that. Yeah. And you, you, you hit something really well on the head there too, which is um, for us at Breakthrough when we're working with our clients too, is trying to get all of those activities, um, under one roof or really seeing the full house or the full picture. Cause we do see a lot of it where it could be based on a business unit, maybe outbound versus inbound shipments. There's a lot of the different data visibility stuff where we try to work with our clients to bring it all in house, make sure it's clean and then try to give that fuller picture. Cause I think the, the conversations have definitely changed in what I've seen in the last few years from, Hey, what can you do for me from this one site or this one facility to man, I got this much bigger problem now. How can we try to go after this bigger problem? So definitely great to widen the ambitions, but can be a little bit daunting if you don't have everything like in a streamlined process or in the same place. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think you, know, you talked about, you know, the, the classic, you know, crawl, walk, run, right? And I think that, that sometimes the temptation is to go straight to run, but uh, I think starting small, um, you know, understanding the big picture and the ultimate, you know, long-term long goal but really finding those success and victories along the way, I think is a key, uh, key step here. Um, you know, so Brett, Brett, as a way to wrap up that, I mean, ultimately what is the business case for measuring and, and reducing, you know, transportation, you know, emissions? I mean, does it go, you know, beyond the environmental benefits and, and, and being a good citizen? I mean, is there more to it than just that? 
Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I'll probably go back to the adage of uh, actuals um, and not averages, because what is true is, you know, you'll, you'll see things like maybe new technologies or even um, conversions. And if you look at it in the broad scheme, you know, you try to lay out an entire um, network strategy with one tool, uh, you're going to run into some, some financial constraints or maybe even some service constraints. But we definitely see, whether it's through incentives or even just targeted opportunities in certain regions, that there is a financial element and a financial model to this. Um, and that one directly on its surface is, where can we take advantage of, maybe it's incentives, or quite honestly, it could just be where there are price differences for energy or mode conversion to make it both a, an emissions benefit, but also a financial benefit. Um, I think the other thing that we're seeing and turn on the turn on the TV and I bet you you'll see at least one or two commercials out there for some of the sustainability objectives. It's definitely starting to become a differentiating factor factor with consumers and even some of the investors out there, too, which is are starting to put in some of the ESG requirements for funding. So I think there's a lot of in a targeted solution with actuals, not averages. There's some immediate payback items. And in the longer term, I think we're going to see this continue to be a push from both the consumer and the investor world to move forward. Yeah, no, great point. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there's, there's multiple uh, uh, stakeholders, multiple driving forces that are leading companies in this direction. And I think that, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, you've always heard the term, you know, you know, green is good for business. And, and you know, half sarcastically, I say, well, that's true because really the, the, the main green initiatives that get done are only those that are good for business, right? If there's no business benefit, companies are not going to do it solely for the benefit of the environment, even though, you know, morally or, or ethically or whatever, you, like, you can make a case for that. But I think that ultimately a lot of companies say, you know, there's got to be that cost or efficiency dimension, you know, to it as well. And I think that's where, you know, certainly that's where you can get the most buy-in, you know, is if you're able to link, you know, the, the, the two together, you know, some financial efficiency uh, benefit along with the environmental benefit. But, you know, at the same time is recognizing that, um, you, you know, you can't sit by the sidelines anymore because you do have consumers, you do have investors and, and there are regulatory and legislative things that are happening as well that are going to force the issue sooner rather than later. So you better be working on it <laughs> and collecting that data and leveraging this information yeah. and, and getting some goals in place and so forth, because, you know, it, it is uh, it is happening. Uh, so, Brett, I mean, this is a topic that we literally can probably have a whole day, full day conference, you know, about it and talk about different uh, activities in this area. But I, I think we, uh, you know, you provided some great insights and advice on uh, on this topic. And, and certainly we'd love to have you back in the program at some point down the road, I kind of, you know, take a pulse on where we are and what progress we've made since we talked today. So again, Brett, thank you for, for making the time to be with us today. Really appreciate it, Adrian. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Breakthrough website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Brett, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.